The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Luke Gorski sits down with Dr. Jeff Hoffman. Um, so it goes through the whole training process. It understands uh, the, the AII in some ways understands, and then it's a pretty um, simplified process, right? So um, looking out on kind of a similar example and how that would work for the DOD, I mean, you're talking about weather or not, sorry, satellite remote sensing. And I can see some applications for that, you know, as an Intel guy, you know, when you're able to pretty rapidly um, try and identify things, you know, just visually with, you know, all the whatever satellites we have taking pictures of yep. Earth. Is that Absolutely. the and that's, type of thing? That's another a- application. And that is that is very similar to, you know, what, what Google does with, with their AI in identifying images. If we have satellite imagery, and uh, um, it, it may be something as simple as uh, take an image from the last week and uh, of a particular area, but the globe is huge. Mm-hmm. And if we're looking at whatever resolution data set, something you know, very, very fine, um, we could use artificial intelligence to say, hey, the, the image that we had yesterday it looks different today, and there's there's something of, of interest mm-hmm. there. And it's uh, it, it's gotten to the point where we have so much data that we can't have humans looking at that all the time. So a computer needs to do that, that mm-hmm. type of work. I, I want to give a, another example yeah. I thought of, and that is uh, uh, networking. So cybersecurity is huge. So we've got we've got data coming into into and out of our networks mm-hmm. all the time. So there's something called network anomaly detection. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, without you know, and this gets this gets a little bit sensitive because there's always this ongoing battle between you know privacy versus you don't want hackers uh, infiltrating your network. So we have something called. Uh, there's something called uh, network anomaly detection. Uh-huh. So it's just without really looking at the, the contents of the data, uh, we can look at things like called metadata. Or and, and so when data is coming into it or out of, we can see if there's some kind of unusual activity happening mm-hmm. in in our network that, and and we can be alerted to that that type of thing. So maybe. Uh, Maybe we know, maybe we're seeing more packets coming from a particular source than we, we would normally expect. So and maybe, that's, maybe it's coming from a, a, a country that's an adversary, and mm-hmm. we're seeing that type of packet. We want to we be alerted to that and, and, uh, um, and look into it. So uh, we do have researchers that are, are doing that type of work, and that's also very, very data intensive it's 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 similar to the acoustic type of data mm-hmm. instead of acoustic data we're getting network data um, so that's just another another example that came to mind yeah so i think that yeah it's really interesting and i think one of the and maybe this will lead us into talking a little bit about the the edge box yes, that you all just received right. but um so even if you know you have these this 5000 uh processing speed in one of the supercomputers here at MPS, and you've now refined your program algorithm, whatever, to the point where it can 
not use all of that data or all of those 5,000 processors worth of resources, it still has to use some, right? So is that... Uh, mean that there needs to be to do like some of this network detection stuff um that you need some type of high computing power like for example on a ship to be able to monitor those ships networks and look for um those anomalies yeah so it, it there's a, a a number of of different things that that come to mind one would be um uh yeah if we're on a what I'll call just sort of a remote platform, whether it's a ship or a sub or a plane or or even a, a Humvee, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just say, call it forward deployed. Um, there, there are applications where uh, you would need a lot of processing power. Maybe you're you're receiving data. So uh, I'll, I'll use an example. Let's say let's say we're we're in a desert somewhere and uh, Maybe we want to run a weather forecasting model, mm-hmm. and we have sensors that are are getting the wind speed, and they're getting all the environmental quantities, and uh, uh, we might want to run a weather forecasting model for whatever reason. Sometimes it it could be to to forecast a a dust storm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in some cases, it might be more advantageous to have your computing located where you're forward deployed rather than trying to send all that. Maybe you don't have good networking capability. Mm -hmm. So you can't get all that information back to a a forecasting center. So if you're you're deployed, you have some sensors in the area, you could you could run your your model right there, but it does that does require computing power. And you could do the same thing for um, uh, if if you're on a ship, maybe you want to. Uh, a lot of time, it is having sensors and and getting that sensor data, putting it into a, a computer and having that computing power right there. No, yeah, I think it's going to be extremely important to have. You know, I think that one of the big things that I've been reading about recently is just the massive amounts of data inflow for that. You know, for Navy in particular, but I'm sure for all services have. And being able to parse through and understand what data is important, what data is not, and it's just more than the human mind can really do. So having that, you know, the computing power on. And again, I'm a Navy guy, so we'll keep using ships. But mm-hmm. having that computing power on the ship enables you to make those decisions there. And I think the other big advantage, because I mean, hey, why don't we just go and shoot this data to MPS, and then they can fix it and shoot it back? Well, in a you know, in a war, especially now that we're talking you know, 21st century great power competition type things. I mean, your ability to send off or receive data on the ship is going to, you know, probably going to be very limited. So you have to have some of those organic capabilities in order to process all this information. Yeah, absolutely. um, And so that's kind of what the edge box, that's my understanding of what this edge box thing is kind of looking at. Is that accurate? Yeah, so the edge box uh, is a platform that we have here at NPS. made by a company called TMG Core, and NPS has engaged in uh, what's called an LP CRADA. That's an acronym, but uh, um, it's a, a CRADA is a cooperative research and development agreement. The LP means limited purpose, but so that's just, it's, it's really, uh, you know, so this was drawn up by attorneys, of course, because okay. so, the, you know, 
Navy JAG and TMG's attorney basically just formalize an agreement. But, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of it say, hey, uh, TMG Core is going to provide this piece of hardware to us. We're going to evaluate it. We're going to look at it, and we're not going to damage it. So, <laughs> okay, you know, so that that's kind of our end of the agreement is okay. Let's let's use this thing and and return it to them in in one piece, and their end of the agreement is we're going to let you use this piece of equipment. Now, what is what is the piece of equipment? It's a computing platform, and what makes it different than than other computing platforms? Well. Um, when we when we start talking about supercomputing, uh, sometimes you know I think most people have had a laptop on their lap and have been doing a lot of work and feel the thing get warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So the more computing that you're doing, you know, you're you're sucking up energy, and uh, most of the, most of the energy that goes into the computer gets converted to heat. That's just that's just how it is. So. If we're doing lots of computing, we were plugged in using a lot of power. Most of that gets converted into heat. If you visit our data center sometime, uh, or any data center, you'll it'll be air conditioned because it, you're you're just consuming uh, thousands of watts of of power. So I always like to tell people, you know, our normal our normal uh, server uh, consumes about Let's say two thousand watts. Okay, two thousand watts for for just a single high-powered server. That's twenty hundred watt light bulbs. So think of twenty incandescent bulbs. Think of twenty light bulbs just hundred watt incandescent light bulbs because that's what these servers are doing. Most of that energy is getting converted to heat, and that's just a single server. We have, uh, you know, we have a, got about a hundred of those mm-hmm. in in a data center. So most of that's getting converted to heat. Um, so you have to put additional energy into the cooling. Right. Okay. So what TMG Core has done is they've come up with a computing platform that is more efficient at cooling these computational servers than standard air conditioning. Okay. In, in our typical data center, you've got all the energy going to the computers, but you've got about uh, another, usually uh, another 40% on top of that. So if you've got, just for a server, a 2,000 watt server, you're gonna use about another 500 watts of energy to cool, cool that it. thing, <laughs> all right? <laughs> So TMG Core has come up with this computing platform. Others have, have tried tried to do similar things, uh, but they're doing what's called immersion cooling. They're doing something called two-phase immersion cooling. So they've actually got the, the servers immersed in a fluid. It's in, a, in <laughs> liquid. So uh, when you look at it, and I, I'd like you to come over and, and oh, yeah. I'll give you a tour sometime, but you will see, uh, you'll just see these computing servers in a fluid, and you see the fluid bubbling, and uh-huh. uh, it looks like it's in water. It's not in water. It's 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 similar to uh, to more of like a, an oil. But if you you dip your hand in this and pull it out, your hand comes out dry. It's just a, it's kind wow. of a, an odd type of, of fluid. But uh, it's much more 
efficient at cooling. In fact, their their target is to get to about uh, uh, using an additional three percent rather than forty percent. Oh wow! So, like I said, we have to use about uh-huh. five hundred watts to cool a two thousand watt server. So I'm trying to do the math in my head. They'd want to use about three uh, percent. So uh, what, what does that work out to? Like 60, 60 watts, I think. If I'm doing, I'm just the right. poor poly yeah. poli- yeah. sci guy over here. So, <laughs> so, so it just, it just, they're using much, much less energy to do the cooling. Mm-hmm. So what does, what does this mean for like a, a deploy, deploying this type of resource? For us, we have to have an air conditioned room. It's large. Mm-hmm. It uses a lot of a lot of energy. So what TMG Core is trying to do is make that more compact. So you don't have to have a big server room with big air conditioners. They're saying, okay, what we're going to do is put it in fluid, so you don't have to have a big room with air conditioners. The fluid will will keep things cool. So that means you have less energy devoted to the, the cooling, and you have less space also. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things they're doing. The other thing that they're trying to, to do is look at the, the shock and vibration. They're trying to put this in a platform that can be deployed on a mobile platform, so a ship, yeah. a plane, a Humvee, and can withstand that, that shock and vibration. So there's, there's really two parts to it. It's like you're taking supercomputing and you're putting it into a, a smaller space that can be cooled and it can be put in a platform that can handle those drops and, and yeah uh, if you're on bumps, a destroyer in 10 foot seas it's probably not great for most computers especially yeah. filled with liquid already so about how big is this uh platform is that the right word to use for it yeah so uh you know the viewer or the the listeners aren't they they're not seeing the room we're in but it's about the size of the room we're in now which is probably what 10 by 10 by 10 maybe yeah so like maybe like a a walk-in freezer at a yeah at a restaurant or something like that might right. be close to it. Yeah, and they've got a n- number of, of sizes depending on the, how much computing power uh, that you needs. want. So I think their their largest one is is probably uh, uh, same height and width, but maybe maybe double the the length. Okay. So uh, like a you know very very small uh, trailer or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, so this would be about the smallest size by 10 yeah. foot by 10 foot by 10 foot. And, you know, this is rough estimates. I've got, uh, you know, their website has all the, the, the specs and, and so forth. Yeah. Maybe another visualization, kind of a, a cubicle, like walled up all the way around in, a, in the actual cube of a cubicle yeah. could be yeah. kind of close to yep. that. Yep. Um, and uh, the, the nice thing about it is... Uh, when to to set one of these things up there's really maybe four pieces is it well four things that you need to do you need to you need to sort of assemble it mm-hmm. uh take the servers and and just put every, kind of the rack and stack uh we did this with the help of tmg core really in a in a day okay uh, you know an eight eight to five day uh, wheeled everything in, set it up, pour the fluid in, and then um, once that's done, it's basically plug the power in, mm-hmm. and uh, then then plug the ne- the networking in. And so, f- 
if you were on a on a ship or uh, deploying this anywhere, you wouldn't necessarily need the the networking part. The networking, you know, you, if you have a satellite downlink, you might be able to do the networking, but you may not need the networking. You really just need the compute, which means you need the power. So the power could come, you know. Here we can just we have a luxury we could plug it in, but. Uh, uh, TMG Core did uh, their their first deployment, first work with NPS. They did down at Camp Roberts on the back of a truck, and I I think they just plugged it into some generators. Okay. So, however, you can get power, power to, to these it. things. Yeah. So then, what's the processing power of one of these units compared? Like, let's just go with the smallest one as we yeah. try to keep it a little bit more deployable. So, so we've got we've got this we've got the smallest one that they they make. Uh, uh, here and uh, we've got the, so they gave us three servers inside the unit. Two of the servers have CPUs only, and each each server has 96 cores. So there's server A with 96 cores, server B with 96 cores. So compare that again. I, I always like to go back to laptops, people that are working with laptops, typically you'll have two cores or four cores, dual core, quad core. Mm -hmm. So we have a server with 96, another server with 96. And then there's a third server that has 46 CPU cores, but it also has uh, four GPUs. So um, have you have you it, heard about GPUs? It's essentially like a video card. It's kind a of for your computer, exactly. right? That's so. exactly what it is. So, so uh, you know, I always turn to the, the kids for these. I, I, you know, I've got a young son, so he knows he knows <laughs> more about the the gaming side of things than I do. But he knows what all the high end video cards are, and uh, these are very very high end video cards made by Nvidia, and. Uh, uh, the GPUs that NVIDIA makes for these types of supercomputers, even though they're called GPUs, graphical processing units, there are no video ports on them. They're uh -huh. used purely for computing because they're very, very good at certain types of computation. So this has uh, four very, very high-end NVIDIA graphics cards they're they're meant for data center use they're meant for usually they're meant for artificial intelligence okay. types of applications so we've got one server that has 48 cores of gpus and then four very high-end uh nvidia gpus uh, for again normally they're used for artificial intelligence applications there are other app things they can be used for but um, that's where you know, like I, I think I said in this conversation, I, I need to know a little bit about a lot of different mm -hmm. fields. We have professors, students, researchers, staff here at NPS that are experts that really know how to, well, for example, um, they will say, I know how to use this GPU to, to do this particular application. And they're they're an expert at it. They're really, really good. So um, um, we just kind of make this stuff available, get it up and running, and then we leave it to our our uh, researchers to 
go on and, and take advantage of this stuff. So as you guys have kind of these more deployable, this edge box system here, and you're experimenting with it and using it, um, is one of the things that some of the professors, researchers are looking at is how to, you know, maybe refine the programs and stuff from those large supercomputers that we have there so that you can actually use them on these smaller things? So are they, like, you know, placing research constraints on their or resource constraints on their own research in order to achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I'll think of one of the, the models that we're, we're, uh, we're running um, on the, the edge box is a, a weather forecasting model. And uh, it's actually being developed in the math department here. It's not being, hmm. you know, developed in, I mean, the ocean, uh, the, the meteorology department, they're doing a lot of work in forecasting, but our, our mathematics department is uh, doing some really interesting stuff on, on weather forecasting models. And they're, they're looking at what I will call cutting-edge, state-of-the-art weather forecasting. They're trying to do exactly what you're talking about. Uh, if they have a large supercomputer available, they'll, they'll try to use those resources. But if they have something smaller available, they're trying to... Uh, they're trying to get their model to, the, the word is scale. They're trying to get it scaled so that it will run on whatever resources you, provi you provide mm -hmm. to it. So, um, yeah, they're absolutely looking at that stuff. Uh, so and we talked a lot about the weather modeling and the, the oceanographic stuff. Uh, you maybe give me another one or two examples of some of the other projects that people have got going on here with either the edge in particular or... Um, some of the other larger supercomputers? Yeah, so, you know, I talked about the the networking, detection, network anomalies. Um, uh, one of the, some, some of the other things, um, and uh, we haven't looked at this on the edge box yet, but, but an application that we've done here at... Uh, NPS, and I want to bring it up because it's also a buzzword you'll hear about big data. Uh -huh. I think people have heard that term yeah. thrown out, what the heck is, is big data. But this is really uh, it's something that we are doing at NPS and we'll likely look at doing on, on the edge box. But it's uh, the, the, you know, use a cliche, it's the pulling, pulling a needle out of a, a haystack sort of thing. So got it, it comes from Again, comes from uh, really, I'll, I'll say Google, but any of these search engines where you've got tons and tons of data. So in Google's case, it was like, well, we're going to take all the data that's on the Internet and we're going to do Internet search. That's mm -hmm. what Google became famous for, search engines. So you've got tons of data. How do I pull something interesting out of it very, very quickly? What Google did is really they, they just index the entire internet they just comb through all of that data mm -hmm. and and every time uh, uh, you know exa for example a word a word appeared so it could have been HPC okay HPC it occurs all these so they basically created a big phone book mm -hmm. so that when you put in your search that's how it comes back so quickly mm -hmm. they've processed this data already and okay. every time something's added to the internet they have to recreate their phone book over, and this is done, mil, you know, every millisecond. You know. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, so, 
we have the same type of thing that's that uh, we have researchers doing here, but on DOD, what I'll say DOD-centric types of data sets. So Google has the entire internet available to them. We have different types of data sets that, that are available to us. So for example, you mentioned uh, the remote, remote sensing thing. Um, maybe we've got visible imagery and we, for, with using big data techniques, we can go out and we can uh, classify images. So, uh, and this will require enormous computing power, but then uh, once the, the processing is done, you could just say like, show me all images that might have a picture of a, a yellow bus in them or, or something mm -hmm. like that. And you can uh, just pull them up. You could just you could just pull it up. So you can let your imagination run wild on types of things that you could mm -hmm. you could do with that. Uh, uh, one other thing I thought of is it, this goes back several years ago, but we we NPS uh, we got a data set a large data set from from Twitter, hmm. and this is just used for for teaching. But, uh, you know, and it gets, it gets scrubbed, so it's anonymized, so it doesn't have your name on it. But, right. but we get tweets. We've got all these tweets that came from Twitter. We've got, like, 50 terabytes of <laughs> worth of tweets. And uh, it's used in a couple of the classes here for, for uh, actually for teaching purposes. So here you go, students. Here's 50 terabytes of data. Uh, see, see what you can do, mm -hmm. do with it. Figure out how to index it or whatever mm -hmm. we need to do so that we can quickly yeah. access yeah. all this information. Yeah, I think I can 100% see, you know, a lot of applications for that underway. I mean, the, the kind of example that immediately came to my mind, again, going to kind of the electromagnetic spectrum is, you know, just being able, we have tons of sensors on our ships just sucking up all the electrons in the air. So being able to you know, at any time being like, oh, I want to look for this specific signal within that and being able to pull it up rapidly to rapidly identify it, I think really would be a extremely useful. And I know we have you, some of that capability now, but again, as artificial intelligence plays a larger role and just decision-making processes get speed up, sped up, it's really going to make a big difference being able to have that extra, I mean, even a couple milliseconds, seconds, you know, it's going to could be a big difference for the, the warfighter in the end, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's that's one of the really sort of rewarding things about, I think about uh, my job when I when I come in to, to work each day and I get to work with talented people all, all across campus. But, you know, again, you know, NPS mission is focused on educating students. So students come through here and uh, they have these resources available, and we've got our faculty who teach these courses, and then a lot of times it's, it's up to the students. You've been, you've been on a ship, you've got, you've got experience uh, being deployed. Uh, a lot of times it's just students sitting in a, in a class Kind of brainstorming just mm -hmm. the way you are thinking wow it'd really be cool if i could apply this technology to this problem and a lot of times that's where these thesis topics come up from mm -hmm. come come from and uh, i just know over over the years um, uh, I, I just see a lot of really fascinating uh, research and thesis work done by students who they've gone through a course gotten educated and come up with an idea for an application and that turns into their their thesis and um, 
uh, I guess the the analogy is um, some of the stuff that you see being done, uh, you know, whether it's call it like the the big computer companies, the Apples, the Googles, the Facebooks, uh, Twitter, etc. Uh, a lot of the things that they're doing, um, we're doing similar things here, but it, the end application is just, it's very, very different, but it's the same type of technology. So it's just a lot of, a lot of really good minds here and, and people coming up with, with really good ideas on, on how to apply these things to uh, DOD. No, definitely. And I think that that was one of my biggest takeaways. I mean, coming coming to MPS, I was a little bit jaded about education in general. I was always the biggest fan of school, but kind of coming here and seeing that, you know, the professors and researchers here aren't in an ivory tower sitting and, you know, figuring out whatever problem they think is interesting. There's a ton of student collaboration and understanding. These are the problems in the fleet or, you know, the Army or the Air Force, wherever it is. And, you know, we have all this knowledge and you said knowledge and tools that the students can then leverage to solve these problems. And I think it's been extremely valuable and is really eye opening to me and really, I think, a positive trend to see how engaging um, both the students and the faculty here are and looking to solve, you know, tomorrow's problems for MP for students today. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, sir. I really appreciate it and uh, definitely take you up on the offer to go see the edge box and, and everything else over there. So. Absolutely. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroom.